you. What's up? I was trying to think of an introduction, and I was like, that won't get it. And then I was going to be like, well, Donald Trump. But then some of you guys were like, nope, I'm done. I'm out. No, 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 no. We ain't talking about that today. We ain't talking about that today. Uh, matter of fact, the whole day today is this. And it, I'm going to say it like this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Turn to the person next to you and let them know, you got to get your rest. You got, you got to get your rest, brother. Yep, that's right. You got to get your rest. You got to get your rest. Now, here's the thing. Uh, there are a couple things in this world that make me tired. And when I was thinking about what uh, God wanted to say to you guys today, I was thinking one of the things that make me tired is stupid books. How many of you, how many of you guys can recognize stupid books when you see one? Okay, some of you, you're like, I don't understand where this is going. What's going on? I don't understand. Let, okay, let me explain, little girl. Let me explain. Uh, all right, here's the deal. In my line of work, I travel all across uh, the country, and I go to public schools, and I talk to students about hope. And one of the things that I talk about the most is the importance of a dad hug. Because, see, when you go into public schools, obviously you can't talk about God, but I can talk about how everybody needs a dad hug. And if you don't know what a dad hug is, a dad hug says, I love you, and you don't have to do anything for me. A dad hug says, I care about you. I think you're great, and you don't have to be the superstar athlete. You don't have to get straight A's. I just think you're great because you're you. And so going around and doing these assemblies, I, I will see students come down to get their dad hugs and their mom hugs and their friend hugs, and they're in tears, and they are just bawling. And then they tell me their secrets. And a lot of the times, it has to do with abuse. A lot of the times, it has to do with them wanting to end their lives uh, matter of fact, I don't know if you guys know this, but they estimate that in this country, 160,000 students every single school day call into their schools because they don't want to go because they're afraid of the things people will say about them. They're afraid of the things uh, that people will do to them. 160,000 every school day. Did you guys know that they also estimate that over 5,000 students every single day attempt to take their own life? Over 5,000 every single day. The biggest leading cause of death, the second biggest leading cause of death for people your age is more than heart disease, more than cancer, more than AIDS, is students giving up on the hope of life. That takes out more of you than almost any other thing in this world. 
And so, of course, as I go to these schools, there's lots of things where people afterwards, they'll hand them pamphlets and they'll, they'll hand them books of hope. And in the books of hope, it's always talking about, mm, you just need to pucker up. And it's like, who says that? That's stupid. Or I saw one pamphlet. This is a true story. I saw one pamphlet that was just like, we're going to teach you how to surf the World Wide Web without getting bullied. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, no kid's going to read that. And so for me, it, it, it put a burden and a passion inside of me to not only want to go to these schools and speak to these students, but also to hand them a book that they can use afterwards. And so uh, what we've been doing for the past year is putting a, together a book called Secrets Anonymous. And what Secrets Anonymous is, is uh, all these students will give me their stories and they'll write down all the things that are going on. And so what we're doing is we're putting these stories in a book so students, they don't have to like just sit there and, and hear why I think what they should do because they're so sad. No, they can hear about other students' stories and how they've gotten through. And if they can read about how somebody else has gotten through, then that's going to give them hope to get through as well. And so we've been collecting these stories and these pictures for the past year. And so as we are right now currently trying to raise money for the book, uh, it also got me thinking about my daughter's. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but I actually, we have, I have two daughters, I was going to say I have. My, my wife and I have. I didn't birth them by myself. Uh, that is Cece, and that is Gracie in the Wonder Woman getup. She loves superheroes. Imagine that. I love superheroes. She loves superheroes. And... I've been thinking about them. See, Cece, she's one and a half years old, and Gracie is four and a half years old. And, and I'm thinking about uh, how I'm doing something for teenagers, but after this book is done, I've already thought of a book that I want to give to my little girls. Because, see, I've read some books about uh, other, like, you know how you read stories to your children at night? I, this is a true story. There's one night, my wife and I, we were reading Curious George to our girls. True story. And this is what I saw in one of the pages of the book. This is what it says. After a good meal and a good pipe, George felt very tired. I was like, what, what is George smoking in that pipe? Uh, and of course, my daughter, my, my little Gracie, she's like, mm, pipe, what's that, daddy? I'm like, uh, mind your business. Don't even pay any attention to that. Uh, and, and I'm like, uh, Curious George, you're a little too curious for me. We need to figure out something else that my little daughters can read. And so I thought of a book that I would love to give them someday. And what I would like to do right now is, matter of fact, I've got this book. And this book, it's blank. And you can put the picture of my daughters back up there. Uh, but this book represents, this blank book represents the story that I want to write for them. And I imagine the day how I'm going to give them this, this professionally done book. And, and can, is it okay? Can I practice on you guys? 
Yeah. Oh, some of you guys are like, I have no idea what this means. That means that we're about to go into story time. So matter of fact, oh, 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 is there the, the piano person in here? Who was playing piano before? Uh, girl, that was you? Hey, come here, come here. I know I didn't talk to you about this earlier. I'm sorry. But can you do me a favor? Can you give me some, like, I don't know, like, full house kind of like background music. Not like the Fuller House because that show, that show is great. That show is not a family show, y'all. Like one day they're talking about a boob job. I was like, not the Full House I know. I mean, back in the 90s, Full House type of music. You know what I'm saying? Like some good piano, like we're going to bed, I'm reading your story type of music, if that music exists. Oh, yeah. And so, of course, it's nighttime, and so we're going to turn the, the lights down low here. And I got my pictures of my babies up there, so I'm going to imagine that that's them. <laughs> Ooh, our house ain't that dark. <laughs> and the name of the book is called Just Be You. Just be you. Okay, uh, first of all, hold on, stop, stop, stop. Uh, first of all, just be you. I know there are some of you sitting there right now, some Bible scholars, and you're like, that is so not accurate. You can't just be you. Yes, I know. I'm not saying just be you and your sin. Calm down, okay? That's not what I'm saying. Okay, we can go again. Just be you. All the Nick's licks and funny ticks you accumulate is really hard to emulate. So just be you. My little Gracie, she loves to tell stupid jokes and they're not really funny, but they're not funny, that which makes them funny. That's one of her ticks. <laughs> Owning up to the mistakes you make is what makes you you. So, just be you. No matter time or place, I will always have a space for your silly face. So, just be you. Little Cece, she's got like her gap in her teeth too, just like me. And so, it's like, it's cute. I'm like, oh, that's my baby. <laughs> And always remember, even if it's mid-November, home is just a hop, skip, and a jump away when you feel the need to come back my way. So, just be you. Just be you. The reason uh, why I wrote that book for my daughters and the reason why I want to be able to give it to them someday is because I know that in the world I, I'm not going to be able to protect them from everything. And I know that as much as I talk to teenagers across the country, I know that sometimes it's, I, I won't be able to stop it, but there are going to be things that my daughters 
don't like about themselves. And I, I want them to know that when those moments come, they can always come to their father and he's gonna tell them, I love every part of who you are. Or, or I know that uh, there are gonna be times during their lives where they are gonna make mistakes. There is gonna be sin in their life, but I want them to know not to hide that sin, but to confront it, to confess it. Because if you don't, then it'll make you angry. It'll make you tired. And so they can always come to their father and tell them what they've done wrong and I'm still gonna love them no matter what. I'm still gonna have a place for them. I'm still gonna have a plan. I'm still gonna have a spot in my house for them. As a matter of fact, as, as I'm thinking about uh, that story I wanna do for them, Just Be You, I thought today, maybe that story also represents some of you. See, as I was praying, I got the feeling that some of you are not being you. Some of you are caught in a routine. Some of you are doing things because maybe other people taught, told you to do that. Some of you might be uh, doing things just because uh, you know this is the good face that you've got to put on for your parents. Some of you in here, you are so, so tired of keeping up with the lie. And I want to tell you, Matthew, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, it says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. But see, there's a problem with that, though. See, I, I, I'm not somebody who, who wants to talk to you guys and be all super spiritual with you. I, I don't care about how you spiritually think you are. I want to talk to the real what you are doing now. And I want to tell you today that I know some of you, maybe you're not getting the rest from your father that you need because you're not really being you. And I want to just tell you just real quick, if you're one of those people, how you get the rest you need. How do you come to your father? And I, I believe uh, we can look at the story of Jacob, and the story of Jacob Will, will show us really well how we're supposed to come to our Father. Uh, and there's three ways, because like all good sermons, there's three things. Um, number one, you have to invite God into your pain. See, in the beginning part of Jacob's story in Genesis 25, uh, 24 through 28, it talks about how 
him and his brother Esau were born, and Jacob, he was born, uh, his brother was born first, and then, of course, if you read the story, uh, Jacob was born holding on to the heel of his brother, and that's how they actually came up with the name for Jacob, heel holder, heel grabber, and it's somebody that's like, they, they put a label on him from the get-go, from the minute that he was born, saying, yep, you're always going to be somebody that's going to be a little behind, and you're always trying to put one over on somebody. You're going to be a deceiver. You're going to be a, a, a liar. That's just who you are. And um, matter of fact, when we look at it, uh, Jacob does spend most of his life conniving, striving, manipulating on the basis of others, trying to get ahead of them, cheating along the way. And that's the way he's going to live his life for a time because he doesn't invite God into his pain. See, when I, when I say invite God into your pain, uh, let's be honest. It, it sucks to get a label put on you, does it not? It stinks, and, and maybe some of you may, may know or, or maybe recognize, but Jacob had some family drama. And I know none of you can relate to family drama whatsoever. And with that family drama, there's, there's pieces where his mom wasn't really talking to his dad because his dad really loved his brother more, but his mom loved him. And so there was all this stuff going on, all this drama happening into his life. And throughout the whole thing, uh, it doesn't mention and it doesn't say that Jacob went to God and said, God, my family's jacked up. Help me out here. Show me how you want me to work through this. No, they just keep on going through this pain. He keeps on going with the label that's put on him. And I know there are some of you in this room right now where you get something stuck on you. Maybe there is something that you have done. Maybe there is a label that has been put on you and you just say, yep, that's who I am. Yep, I'm somebody who has struggles with that. That's just what I do. But that's not inviting God into your pain. See, when you invite God into your pain, you say, God, I know this is bad right now, but God, I believe that you can make something good out of the bad. So show me the good going on right now. Show me the good in this situation. Um, case in point, uh, I, I went to the school one day, and I'll, I'll never forget it. At this school, uh, I spoke once again about the importance of a dad hug. And during, as I'm speaking about giving students hugs and telling them, hey, everybody needs a dad hug, all of a sudden in the middle of the front row, this girl is bawling. And so I, there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students sitting in this assembly. And so I, there was something inside of me that said, you have to stop the whole assembly right now. And I'm like, God, I can't stop a whole assembly for one girl. God goes, no, you can stop a whole assembly for one girl. And so I said, oh, okay. And I said, I'm sorry, guys. And I put the mic down and I went and I went to go give this girl a hug. And she, she cried on my shoulder. I, I had no idea what was going on. And I just whispered to her, hey, I just want you to know you're important enough to get a dad hug anytime you want. She sat down. I continued on with the assembly. After the assembly was over, this, this girl, she ran up to me and she gave me a note. And she said, you have to read this note. Please read the note. She ran out to her class. I opened up the note. And she says, 
My name is Allison. I'm in sixth grade. I've never met my dad in my life. My mom, she's addicted to crack. Nobody loves me. This morning I woke up and I said, God, if you're real, show me that I'm loved. Show me that I'm cared about. And she goes, and you stopped the whole assembly just to give me a hug. She goes, I will never forget the first time I received a dad hug in my life. Thank you. When, when you invite God into your pain and you say, God, I know it's bad, but show me what's, what's good right now. Show me that you're good right now. God can show you during those bad times that he's still doing something. He's still working. So if you want to find your rest, make sure you invite God into your pain. The second part is you have to believe God more than you believe your pain. See, uh, if you know the story uh, of Jacob, uh, he, after he goes through his whole family drama and, and after he uh, manipulates his way to getting his father's blessing, and then, of course, he's like, oh, snap, my brother's going to kill me, and he runs off, and his mom's like, yeah, you need to get out of here. Your brother will probably kill you. And so he goes, and he hides, and he finds his, his crazy uncle, and his crazy uncle's like, hey, you come live, work for me. And, of course, Jacob falls in love with his cousin, which is really gross, but he falls in love with her because she's so hot, and then all these things happen, and his uncle's like, yeah, I'll give you my daughter if you work for me for seven years, and then he works for her for seven years, and then he switches the daughters out with the daughter that wasn't pretty on the eyes, but that's okay. She's still, she's in God's eyes. She's beautiful, and so and then he's like, that's not the daughter I wanted. And then he's like, okay, work for me for seven more years, and then you'll get the daughter you want. Now, there's all this drama that is happening, right? And, and afterwards, Jacob's like, okay, it's time for me to leave. After 20 years, he's like, I got to get out of here. But then, of course, he's faced with his brother coming back and, and wanting to, he's thinking his brother's wanting to kill him. Jacob knows the promise of God. God promised that he was going to make his descendants many. And, and, but at this point in time, he's afraid of his brother. He thinks there's a chance he's going to lose his life. He's thinking that the pain he's going through right now is more real than God's promise. And that is not true. The pain that you are going through right now is not more or bigger than the God that loves you, the God that takes care of you. I don't care what kind of sin you have in your life. I don't care what you think you've done to not be able to be worthy of God's plan in your life. But I am telling you here today that when you say, God, I'm going to believe in you more. I'm going to come back to you. Because in the words of Billy Graham, it, he says this, no matter how many sins you've committed or whatever you've done, whatever you are, God loves you. No matter what, God loves you. And you, you can't forget 
his ability to work good from evil. You can't forget his proven promises and his supernatural ability to bring life from death, healing from pain. So, if you want to get your rest from God, believe God more than you believe your pain. And last but not least, be honest about the name of your pain. See, in the story of Jacob, it comes to this point where Jacob, he sends all of his family, everything that he owns, he sends it ahead of him. And because he's afraid that his brother might kill him, and this is just a test, maybe this will deter his anger. But it says in Genesis 32, 24 to 28, so Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. It was God. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he was wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Then the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. What does this mean for us? I'll tell you what this means for us. In this moment, this liar, this deceiver that's been trying to cheat his way his whole time to get the blessing, finally he meets God and God is wrestling with him and he doesn't want to let him go. But God's like, I can't bless you yet. And he's like, why? And he's wrestling with him. And then he finally asks him, What's your name? Who are you really? And you know what he says? He says, I am Jacob. I am a liar. I am a deceiver. I am a heel grabber. And in that moment, that's when he gets his blessing. He gets his blessing after he confesses who he is. How many of you are missing out on your blessing because you have not confessed who you really are. Case in point, I, I don't want to lie to you guys. I'll be honest with you guys. Um, when I was at North Central, uh, I, I did a lot of things here. I was uh, the student director over, uh, at the time it was called Entry, but your student-led chapel. And then I became student body president. And during that time, as my time was coming to an end, I actually got married while I was here. And it's not a big secret or anything like that, but as I was working here at North Central in the admissions department, I actually uh, went through a really bad divorce. But I didn't want to tell anybody about my divorce because I felt ashamed about it and I tried to hide it. And eventually that seeped through all the other thing, areas in my life. It seeped through uh, me trying to, to cover up uh, some of the things that I was doing. I wasn't being very good with my money. I, I wasn't being good about the places that I was going to, the clubs I was going to at the time because I was trying to put on this face. And so eventually as I'm dealing with this loneliness by myself, as I'm dealing with the hurt and pain of somebody that I love just leaving me for somebody else, I thought, man, nobody else will understand me. And so uh, I, I met this girl that, that was going through uh, a divorce just like I was. And one night, 
we got together, and I'm not going to lie to you guys. We had sex. And, you know, I'm at North Central. I can't tell people what had happened. But then all of a sudden, a crazy thing happened. She knew somebody from North Central. And she told that person. And then that person told my boss here at North Central. And I got brought into the office. I got taken off of everything that I was doing as I was going around and traveling and speaking. And they're like, Terrence, you have to get your house back into order. And I remember thinking to myself, if everybody hears what I've done, nobody's going to ever want me again. Nobody's ever going to want me to come and speak. Nobody's ever going to want me to do this. So I try to hide it from everybody. I didn't try to talk. But during that time, I met this awesome girl. And this awesome girl, she just loved me. And she poured into me. And so eventually, this girl and I, we started dating. And as we're dating, I'm just telling her, hey, this is who I am. But I'm hiding everything that I was going through. I was hiding the reason why I wasn't doing ministry no more. I just asked her, yeah, I had to take some time off because of my divorce. But then all of a sudden, I, I asked this girl one day to marry me, and she said yes. And so I never told her everything that I was going through. And then one day, right before we were going to possibly get a job for ministry, this, we had this meeting with this, this couple, and they are asking us questions. And the pastor, he looked at me, and he goes, Terrence, what happened with everything with that other woman. And my fiance at the time is sitting right next to me. She doesn't know anything. And I was like, uh. And I tried to mumble through it and everything. And they were like, okay, okay, well, we'll talk to you later. We'll give you a call. And I got back in the car with my fiance. And she started crying. And I'm like, I am so sorry. I did not tell you. Please don't break up with me. And she looked at me. She goes, Terrence, I'm not crying because they think I'm going to break up with you. I'm crying because I can't believe you didn't trust me to love you through it. You didn't trust me to love you through your pain of who you really are. And so right there in that moment, confessed it all. Right there, I, I prayed to God. I said, God, I'm so sorry. I am a deceiver, and I need your help. In that moment, it was, it was a week or two later, I got the call. You got the job. My wife, we've been stronger ever since that day. I know now there's nothing I, I can't hold with, from my wife, but even more so, there is nothing I can't withhold from my God. If I want to find the rest that I need, I've got to confess who I really am. I've got to be honest. I don't need to put on an act of my Christianity to impress you. I have a relationship with God that I can't get through without him. Don't lose your blessing because you're trying to be something you're not. God can't bless fake. He blesses the real. So today, in closing, I want to remind you one more time. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Remember to invite God into your pain. 
Believe God more than you believe your pain. And be honest about the pain, the name of your pain. If you do that, you will truly find rest. Let's pray. God, this is coming before you right now. And God, I thank you for loving us way more than we will possibly understand. Lord, I invite any student uh, here today that God, that you are a God that has a plan no matter what. And that God, no matter what it is that they're going through, they don't need to hide it. They don't need to cover it up. But God, that they can come forward. And when they come forward, when they confess their mess, then God, that is when your blessing and healing and rest comes in. So Lord, I pray you will meet them where they're at. You will not let them hold their head down in shame and walk away from the altar, but Lord, you will bring that to them and that they will be able to confess and find that rest. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.